Good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> Whatever's happening in your world. Welcome to the Three Times Podcast. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely a lot of things that can happen, man, across the world and stuff. I, I, and then when you look at our viewership, man, we got viewers everywhere. So, man, shout out yeah. to the folks that follow us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, All time. So, so H, 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 man, you got a shirt on because you be coming and you be hitting us with these bangers. Talk to us. What's this, this shirt? This is Together We Flourish, Brother Sean Genwright out in Oakland with the trauma healing sense of stuff. Talking about ways that we can reshift how we support young mm-hmm. people. Stop looking at the things that we call problematic and look at the assets that young people have. So this mm. is just shout out to to my folks at Flourish doing really great work in Oakland and across the country. Shout out to them. Yeah. And my hat, yeah. you didn't say nothing about my hat. So my oh, hat I, is I, the I Lost read. Weekend. You know we can't see? What is it's it? Called, it's the Lost Weekend because okay. you got me up on early on a Saturday. So I'm losing yeah. my weekend. Um, yeah. No, just kidding. This is a Philadelphia Eagles bar which is in Miami, because you know the Eagles are my team. Next week we start the season against the Lions. Be ready. Go Birds. Gang, gang. So, I mean, all right, whatever. <laughs> all right, so so, but we brought, the, we brought the set up this conversation, man, talk about Jackson, Mississippi, uh, but we'll, we'll come back on the other side. Doc is coming here tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be here You give us status with this Ivy League degree you got. <laughs> Do I? Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of status? Good status or bad status? Because it's probably, a lot of pro- pro- probably more bad than good. Doc. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so send us, send us up, bro. Uh, Jackson, yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. Y'all know I've been active on this uh, Jackson, Mississippi thing in large part because of my STEM background and teaching environmental science when I was a STEM teacher uh, and, and like being raised in Detroit and having a connection to Flint and all these things, clean water should be a human right. Like everybody should have access to clean water and food. In Jackson, Mississippi, um, they're boiling water. They ran out of uh, uh, water. like all because of environmental racism. And the thing is, is that for me, the legacy of racism is an accumulation of bullshit in a system. And then when the system breaks, they try to blame the people, right? For poverty, for water, whatever we're talking about. And in Jackson, Mississippi, um, it hasn't garnered the type of attention that we spend on other things, right? And I'm not gonna play the oppression Olympics about whether we spend more time on Ukraine versus Jackson, Mississippi or wildfires in California uh, burning millionaires out of their homes. I think they're all tragic. But the reality of it is, is that the water crisis in Flint, water crisis in places in a place like Jackson, Mississippi is, is deeply connected to the ways in which white supremacy marginalizes black people um, in our environment, right? In access to quality water. Um, And I've taken it on on social media. 
um, taking it on at work to uh, bring together people to put money into this, work with colleagues. Uh, uh, and shout out to, uh, to the big homie, Adrian Dixon, uh, for putting stuff out on social for where you can go to support. If you can't go there, donate and things like that. Um, but just the general silence, man, of, of folks has really angered me because like those, those folks deserve water. It's a city that's 80 to 85% black. Um, yeah. so yeah. I just, I've just taken this on. And again, I've spent time in the environmental space. When I taught STEM, I spent a lot of time in Detroit talking about environmental justice and water because of our access to the Detroit river and the great lakes was a core part of that work. And, um, I just think about, I, I man, listen, I was trying not to cuss on social media all week. <laughs> <laughs> like real hard because yeah. I mean I had somebody hit me up on DM like oh you know um, I like that you putting this out there and I wanted to go like okay well what you doing like you you gonna put some <laughs> money into this like I ain't saying you gotta put in a hundred yeah two hundred yeah five dollars will get somebody a case of, you probably get two cases of water for five dollars yeah. Like, well, I, I I don't know about that. Two two twelve packs. Hey, what were your thoughts? <laughs> what were your thoughts when you when you, when you first saw everything that was going on in Jackson, Mississippi? I know this is kind of triggering, given what has occurred in Flint. But I I think you know when we even think about Flint, there there, there are towns that we don't talk about. We don't talk about Newark. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about uh. There's there's a a, a town in uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, damn it, escapes me. But they had really bad lead levels. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh one of the towns in Pennsylvania. And these these lead levels that I'm talking about were worse than were they, these folks were worse off than uh than the folks in uh in in Flint. But right. um what uh what were your thoughts uh H? You know, I guess for me I always think immediately about like the long-term impacts on these things. Um mm-hmm. we know from research the impact that lead paint had on young people years ago and they made legislation and changed the ways that they make paint because they understood the ways that that was impacting their bodies, their brain, their growth development. And when we think about water, which is so essential to all the things we do, right? Not just drinking water, but to how we wash our clothes, to how we clean our food, to giving water to our pets, just the way that water, the role it plays in what we do. It also makes me disappointed because so much about that we can't control, right? Like, a lot of times we talk about education and we talk about like the role that families have, like, well, families can do this and communities can do that. And there's these ways to kind of fill in the gap. But if the water in my sink doesn't work, like what, what control do I have for that? So it feels even more um, like tangible for me because it, it puts people who are most needy and who are relying on systems and structures and politicians to like do right by things like infrastructure, <laughs> things like access. Like this isn't a choice. This isn't like I can choose to have good water or choose not mm-hmm. to. Like I can choose a school or choose not to. Like I don't have a choice. And so I think it, it's extremely disappointing. And it really, really worries me when we think about how casually we talk about Flint. And so it's Jackson just going to be the next thing we just kind of dismiss and 
and call it a day? And what are the implications of that? I also immediately got pissed because schools are closed down there. And I was thinking to myself, all this, we got to open schools, 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 but we can't even open schools and colleges but with clean water. It just, it seems so ridiculous and um, so intentional, especially when you think about what Doc said, where 82.5% of the population in Jackson, Mississippi is black and the majority of the legislators are white. And so I bring that up because it's the legislator's responsibility to ensure that this infrastructure is correct, that folks are getting the, the, the things that they need, that they're getting hired, that they're getting contracts, that they're being monitored, that they have the adequate supplies to do their work well, to create the ways that clean water can exist for everybody. Um, so what's up? Okay, and so I'm gonna push on this, right? And, and I'm gonna say something that's gonna be extremely unpopular, but at this point, I don't really care. And so, I, I, Jackson, Mississippi, is probably about uh, less than an hour away from my from where I grew up in Covington, Louisiana, right? Mm -hmm. And so, what I'm going to say about Jackson, Mississippi, is this, right? So, so H, you just pointed something out that kind of triggered me. Actually, it triggered the shit out of me, right? If we can talk about the dynamics of a of a city, right? And we can say that it is 82.5% black. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the politicians hmm. that make up the the city are white. Then you have identified the problem. And that is a common thread that exists uh in, in a lot of inner cities, right? You'll have these ambitious uh, white politicians that have mm -hmm. higher aspirations than being in local government, right? Mm -hmm. That will then come in, sell you a dream uh, in order for them to get to the spaces and places that they want to go. Meanwhile, they're not doing shit for their local constituents, could care less, because at the end of the day, they're able to go to Louisiana and go to these other places in order to get water for their kids. And most of the time, these politicians don't even live in the same uh, in the same places that 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 uh, of their constituents, right? You got you got this whole thing with Dr. Oz, like Dr. Oz lives in New Jersey, right? But yet <laughs> he's running for a Senate seat right. in, in in Pennsylvania, right? So like it just baffles my mind. But like you know, I I, I don't want to I don't want to let our people off the hook, even though you know like I I understand the whole idea of them being victims. I understand the whole idea of how racialized communities. Uh, show up right uh, in terms of being historically marginalized in terms of uh, having that moniker on their back right so like I don't I don't I don't want to like, undersell that but at the same time it's like if you have the opportunity to go out and vote and put people in office that are gonna do what's in the best interest of the black community then we need to do that and when folks show us they ask we need to see they ask for what they showed us as opposed right. to trying to make the trying to make the best out of the situation and but so Right. To, to that point, though, here's where I think there's some infrastructure pieces that have to happen when I think about uh, people giving money to buy bottles of water. Right. And this is where I go to doing root cause analysis of systems where yeah. Yeah, you can give money to get people bottles of water. But how do we help raise awareness and money to actually fix the water system that landed us? in this place yeah. when we think about the larger context of being black in Jackson, right? Yeah. And that's where I think to your point, there's a level of accountability, but also like, you know, fuck the system. If they not go fix it, right. tell us how much it costs. And yeah. again, 
politicians go out and raise money to build stadiums. Facts. You mean to tell me y'all can't raise money to fix the water system? Yeah, that, they don't that, give a shit about they, that. That just tells you like that. That when when things like that happen, it's just uh, an over magnifications mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. fact that they don't give two shits about black people. Mm-hmm. But bro. So the, the town that I was talking about, uh, uh, H is uh, is Allentown, Allentown, Pennsylvania. So the lead levels in Allentown, Pennsylvania, are over twenty three percent, and that was uh, that was more. That's more than Flint. Might even be more than uh, more than uh, J- Jackson right now as it stands. But so so I guess my question to you guys, right, mm. is that being uh, former K twelve now higher ed educators, um. This is going to manifest itself, right? Like, I, I taught in Baltimore City uh, in the early 2000s after uh, lead levels were not contained in the 90s. And I saw, like, the byproducts of what lead can do to a whole school system, right? And, and I think we don't talk about that. And I think that a lot of times when we have these conversations, and part two of this conversation is about NAEP scores, I, I don't think we talk about, again, the environmental racism that can have an impact on student mm-hmm. learning, right? And so, what what are y'all's thoughts on on, on these lead levels and how it can potentially uh, impact student learning? Well, one of the things I just looked up was the racial diversity of Allentown, Pennsylvania, and it looks like it's a town that is made up mostly of white people. Looks like mm. in Allentown, Pennsylvania, seven percent of the population is white, thirteen percent. Wait, wait, so so, so H H H, because again. We could be we, we this could turn into a really good conversation. Now, are we talking affluent white people or are we talking about poor white people? Because if we're yeah. talking about poor white yeah. people, if we talk if we talking about poor and uh and marginalized white folks who don't think that they can be marginalized, then this is a yeah. different conversation. That's a different conversation. That's what I was gonna say. And so we gotta think about the this is why intersectionality is so important. And too often we think about intersectionality only when we're talking about issues around black women or black um, female groups, but that's not necessarily the case. There also is this way that we need to look at race, that we need to look at income, that we need to look at gender, all of the ways that that impacts that. And so if we think about infrastructure and we think about your whole argument before around like these politicians who don't live in and with communities, who don't have the same kind of experiences as everyone else. And so when you do that, you can shift the conversation to then blame those people. Well, why don't they just leave, right? Why don't they just, very much like Katrina, why don't they just leave, get in their car and go, just go to a hotel, like you got money. If you don't like the water there, just move to another district. The water is fine in another state part of the town. It's the same kind of narrow conversation where we are blaming folks without calling out That's the right. systems that have created the conditions in which they don't have access to the resources. It's the same, we talk about schools. Well, if you don't like your neighborhood school and you don't have a charter, just move. Go buy another house in another district that is more higher performing, then your kid can go to school for free. Well, that isn't the reality for a lot of people. A lot of people are relying on public schools, on infrastructure, to, yeah. on things to keep them safe. And here's the thing, these are folks who pay taxes. These are folks whose families and grandmothers and fathers, a lot of taxes, a lot of taxes. Why do they pay a lot more taxes, Ray? Because they are closest <laughs> to poverty. So everything they pay, not only are they paying more in taxes, right? They're paying more for toilet tissue at the corner store because of price right. gouges. They're paying mm-hmm. more for transportation to get back and forth because they don't have cars. They, they're paying more to buy their groceries because they have to go further from their community to get it. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so all of these things work together to create these sub-levels. And then when an issue happens, like water, like education, like school closing, we want to say, well, this is their fault. Yeah. Hey, so, so and that, that brings me to this, right? I was talking to Doc the other day about possibly purchasing uh, some property in Detroit, right? And so he, he immediately goes to, you know, his, his real estate, uh, his real estate uh, saved, uh, saved entries, right? And he sends me a couple of listings, right? Now, I'm sitting, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, damn, this is expensive, man. Gentrification is definitely underway. Uh, <laughs> because I, 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 know, I know the whites that got some smoothie shops that then got smoothie shots at a, at a whole uh, lower, <laughs> a lower price than what's happening right here. Now, all I'm trying to do is open a snowball stand in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but, but that, 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 that brings me to, to, it's like, you know, they, they allow us to get, they allow uh, situations to get so bad. And then when they fix the situation, then it becomes a, a, an opportunity for gentrification to happen. Right. Because now you have clean pipes now. Now you have the best of what what can occur. Right. And so now all of a sudden, condominiums. Like, <laughs> look right. at Baltimore waterfront, waterfront condominiums, open parks, bike lanes, yeah. dog parks. And, and hey, listen, I just bought, I just bought a property uh, in, in, mm. in Baltimore that I'm rehabbing right now. That's like right in front. They just put the bike lane there. You know, when, once they put the bike lane. You already yes. know. <laughs> <laughs> there are parts of Southwest Washington D.C. where the wharf are, where there yeah. are Michelin star restaurants, beautiful walkways, all this stuff that used to be where all the property. Well, hey, 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 for, 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 so, so you got to explain this for me because I ain't got no money. What's a Michelin star restaurant? <laughs> you know those star. They um are high rated. They go by stars. They have this scale that they use for like quality. On that list. Who? Waffle House on that list? Waffle House is not on that list. Um, Golden Corral, is Golden, is Golden Corral on that no. list? No, and y'all play, because y'all know y'all eat the finest. That was just talking about hey. a fine T-bone uh, Wagyu steak. I think I think Golden Corral is underrated, especially the food that's cooked to serve. Like, you go up there, get a nice I'm with pizza. You. Especially that, the, the, the rolls. with everything. Get your you, like, didn't I see something about ADHD and how numbers of ADHD have increased? Like, how did we go from talking about <laughs> gentrification to butter rolls and biscuits on the Golden Corral buffet line? <laughs> Y'all are wild. But again, the ways that we think about, and it's interesting because there are probably folks who drive in neighborhoods that are being gentrified or that have been um, invested in <laughs> that for those who are local to that area who grew up in that area can remember times like I remember going to places that were like we shouldn't have been there when we were younger like back in the 90s over by the mirage over where a lot of where it was hard where you would know it was not safe to be and now because of a reinvestment in those communities a lot of those apartment complexes a lot of those housing have been changed into beautiful restaurants, waterfront properties, and these amazing things that if you had no idea, you would think, oh, this is an amazing part of town. When 15, 20 years ago, you shouldn't go there after dark. And so I think we have to also name that, and it gets back to your point, right? We got to put pressure on folks because the la my understanding is a lot of these decisions around investments and revitalization are brought to public council. People get a chance to testify. They get a chance to weigh in. They, get a, they are supposed to engage the community in a way 
And too often we don't engage ourselves in those conversations. And then we look up and they took over this library to make it now a condo or took over this store or took over this I'm not mom's that. I'm not against that. I'm not against that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> hey, I, I, my 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 working theory, right? Before we go into closing thoughts, is that if you take failing schools and turn them into uh, loft and condo conversions and make that affordable housing for teachers, then you'll have teachers that live in the neighborhood, right? Which we all want, and then you you you'll 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 make the profession a lot more uh a, a lot more equitable in terms of like uh, folks being able to live in the communities where they serve. That's just my working so, theory. That's an episode all in and of itself. Don't <laughs> let that be. Yeah. Uh, Those you know, places are not for teachers. The they are for millennials who work on the yeah. hill. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> used the word nuance just yet in this episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna save nuance for the next episode because there's all right. what Ray is talking about. All right, closing thoughts, uh, Doc. Starting with you. Uh, look, I mean, I'm just uh, uh, looking forward to uh, another school year. My kids went back last week. Uh, they've been in for two weeks, and I'm just excited. Uh, our oldest made the basketball, AU basketball, fancy, whatever it is they do. They got to be really good. So I'm just cheering on kids this uh, academic year um, because I think that, um, you know, they, like kids are struggling in some schools. And so I'm cheering on all kids and uh, here to tell folks, if you ain't in it for the kids and you just here to complain, you should quit. Go do something else. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. H, violence. Yes. So my, my last word is shout out. So I want you to read it so I get it right. So South Carolina and Coach Don Staley has mm. home and home series of BYU over a recent incident where Duke volleyball players said that BYU fans yelled racial slurs at her. Um, we always have talked on this show about what it means to protect black women. And so I want to give a shout out to her and to that university for putting their money where their mouth is and recognizing that just because it did not impact their students directly, that they have the power to do something that shows solidarity, shows disgust at what that what happened there and can hold other people accountable. And when we see more of that, we'll see more ways that we can protect black women. So Shout out to South Carolina and Don Staley. That's my last word. Yeah. Hey, Don Staley should be coaching the Sixers. She sure so, should. Yeah. Huh. Oh. Hey. Hey. I'm not we can have a whole episode on that. <laughs> hey. But listen, so my my, my final thoughts are, 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 are on uh, Kanye West today, right? So I feel like whenever there's a drop, whenever there's a sneaker drop, Ye gets on social media and he does something stupid or, you know, he, uh, he lets his... Um, his mental uh, disorders kind of manifest themselves, and I'm sick of the shit, right? Like, the, the, the product speaks for itself. I would still cop the product. I mean, like, you got Gap, Balenciaga, you got Adidas, uh, and, and, and these are all nice things, and so the things that he's doing in order to alienate himself from his fans, uh, for the people that respect his work, respect the craft, respect the artistry, you know, it, it's just, it's at a level in which it's too much, right? Uh, I've seen a lot of things manifest when mental health does not go addressed. And it's not fair to the folks that have to sit back and watch these artists destroy themselves, destroy their lives, and, and destroy other people in the process of, uh, of not addressing their mental health needs. And so if you are a person 
that uh, requires uh, attention to your mental health, please uh, take care of your mentals. That is my final thought. And so we will see you in part two of this episode when we're about to talk some shit about D.C. public charter schools. Yeah. <laughs>